study, and there's going to be a video that's, that we have with Francis Chan, and it is talking about the holiness of God, an understanding of the holiness of who Jesus is. So I want to make Wednesday night part of your schedule, that, that you're here um, with the Bible study that we're going to be having with Francis Chan. Uh, I want to thank everyone who was able to come out to the Bob Goff study. That was amazing, huh? Those of you who were able to make that what a life-changing study that was. I'm going to allude to that just a little bit today as we conclude this particular series. But um, anyway, God is good. God is good. It's good to see you. Well, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. We'll be there here in just a few moments um, as we conclude Love Others to Wholeness. Have you enjoyed this series? Has it challenged you? It's challenged me. Um, to, to love other people. And uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Michael Youssef who um, has done a lot of the historical study on a lot of the, the topics that we were talking about. And uh, so I was able to get a lot of rich wisdom uh, from him as we went through this. Um, but one of our core values is we love God and we commit to love other people. One of the fruit of, fruits of that, loving people, um, I believe, is seeing them come to wholeness. Um, you know, you hear the phrase a lot, loving the unlovable, loving the ones that uh, maybe someone came along and loved them and they turned their life around and, and began to follow the Lord. Maybe that was you. Maybe you have that, um, that example of where God brought someone into your life and despite your past, they loved you. Despite your actions, they loved you. And now you're a follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus. So well, let's look at our memory verse as we're going into this week's uh, particular uh, topic. We're talking about no favorites. Now, I want to clarify something. You are God's favorite, but he has no favorites. Right? We've used this example before. I learned from Mr. Stowe uh, with his three girls, and now I apply this to my two boys, that uh, when I'm with Nathan, he's my favorite. When I'm with Gabriel, he's my favorite. So you see, I, I, kinda, I picture that being the heart of God. He's with Malou. Malou, you're my favorite. Dwayne, you're my favorite. You know, Mary, you're my favorite. But God has no favorite. So that's what we're going to see today. So let's look at our memory verse, Acts chapter 10, 34 and 35. So read this with me. You ready? Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. That's a wonderful verse from the book of Acts. And we're going to see the context of this and, and why wear, uh, he would benefit from wearing peppermint flavored shoes. Why would I say that? You ever stick your foot in your mouth? And you would think, man, if these were peppermint flavored, it wouldn't be quite as bad. Uh, there's, I've been tempted to do that at times because I tend to stick my foot in my mouth. We do that. But Pete, that was the type of, of uh, person that Peter was. And um, he, he had the ability to stick his foot in his mouth. And, uh, but God was showing him a valuable lesson. So as we go through today, no favorites. Let's see what this is talking about. The true gospel of Jesus is a gospel of love. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So the true gospel is a gospel of love. God wants us to reach out to love everyone. Everybody, me and you, even the unlovable, as Bob Goff puts it, even the creepy people, the people who creep you out, the strange ones. 
He wants us to move past the stereotypes and the prejudices that we learn from society, that maybe we learn from family history, things like that. And Acts 10 is going to talk uh, about that. In this story here, um, we'll see how Peter's prejudices were, were, were addressed. Now, Peter was a guy who followed closely after Jesus, yet he had these stereotypes. He had these prejudices. And at, through the past um, studies that we've done, we've seen that as well, uh, that, that Jesus addressed the prejudices that Peter had and that the church had so that the gospel could extend to the Gentiles. And that's us. Now, let's give a little bit of history here just for a moment. Is anybody in this room, and I'm just kind of curious, is anybody in here Jewish? You have a Jewish background descent. So you have a little bit of Jewish background. So one person in here has Old Testament legal rights to being a person of God. The rest of us are Gentiles. Gentiles mean that we were not, quote, the chosen people of God, according to the Old Testament. And so we were grafted into the family of God, as the Bible talks about. We were, we're, and I'm so thankful for that. We were adopted into the family of God. And so God was addressing this with Peter because of uh, some attitudes that the people had about being the people of God. I'm God's favorite. I'm God's person. God was addressing this. If you'll remember our earlier study, Jews didn't like Gentiles. They didn't. They, did, they, weren't, they weren't happy with Gentiles. They just, you know, they were Gentiles. They were sinners. They were heathen uh, people. Gentiles were considered unclean as well. So they just, they weren't the people of God. Um, but here's what I want us to see today. God prepares the hearts of people. And first of all, what I want us to look at when, when it comes to bringing people into the kingdom of God, God prepares the heart of the people that he is calling, witnessing, and evangelism. Because as we've said the last few weeks, all I have to do is go tell my story because the Holy Spirit has already begun to prepare the hearts of people. Now, if I go up to someone and they reject the word that I'm giving, then maybe they're just not quite ready yet. They're, they're just not quite there. They're, you know, for those of you who like to bake, uh, I know Mary loves to bake and we get to enjoy a lot of the um, wonderful things that she makes. Um, but uh, one of my favorite things that she makes is these scones. They're like... Cranberry and orange, cranberry and orange scones. Oh my word, when are you going to make them again? So she has to make sure that they are done perfectly because now I love, how many of you love underdone cookies, like chocolate chip cookies? You take them out just, but they're still gooey and all that. Now a scone, if it's underdone, you know, it's not something that, that you want to necessarily have that. Um, well, at least, at least I don't. But when God prepares someone to come into his, his kingdom, there's a point that they come to where they are ready. Just like the scones, they're ready at this particular point. Because we also read in the Bible where it says, Look into the fields for they are white, ready for harvest. So he has prepared, he has done the, uh, and this is cheesy, the spiritual baking to get everything ready. For the of those he is calling. God was calling a man named Cornelius. And that's where we're going to pick up the uh, story here in Acts chapter 10. How many of you are from the Lake Norman area? Like you've, you've lived here most of your life, all of your life. All right. So there's a little town just down the road. And it's called Cornelius. Cornelius. If you're from here, it's Cornelius, right? Cornelius. I hear a lot of people say, Cornelius. 
I hear a lot of people say that. You hear it too? All right. I hear a lot of people say that. Maybe it's the Concord folks who say that because that's where I'm from. But uh, Michael Lowe, we were just talking about him this morning. He calls it Cornelius. You've heard that before too, right? This guy is Cornelius is who he is. Man, y'all people just blew it for me. <laughs> I've heard both. I've heard a lot of people call it Cornelius. But this is Cornelius here. And we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, In Caesarea there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius who was the captain of the Italian regiment. By the way, I'm going to back up just to redeem myself real quick. I was with Mr. Stowe last night here at Miss Joe's 90th birthday party. He calls it Cornelius. He does, so that rests my point. <laughs> Number two, verse two. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave quick. He sounds like he loves God, doesn't he? He gave his tithe. He helped to build a particular temple that was there. He... He was a God-fearing man, as it talks about. It says, verse 3, One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Verse 6 says, He is staying with Simon, a tanner, who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. Verse 8, he told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. So here you have this man. His name is Cornelius, and he was someone who loved God. He prayed regularly. He gave to God, and he had a vision and saw an angel of God coming toward him. God was preparing the heart of Cornelius to receive the gospel message. So that's what we see in our first point. God prepares the hearts of those that he is calling. As we proceed with this story, I want you to notice something. God's timing is going to come to an intersection in Cornelius' life and Peter's life. There is a moment in time is where God speaks to us. God may send you to that intersection for someone's life. We're going to see Peter's side of this here in just a few moments. But there's God's timing that is being worked out. Here's what I have found through my years of serving the Lord. God's timing is always perfect. Always perfect. Whether it's um, in a situation where I need, you know, there's a particular need that I have, um, a need that the church has, um, just whatever it may be. I have found, haven't you seen this, that God's timing is perfect? Have you ever felt that you're waiting on God to do something? Come on, God. What's going on here? Well, I, I thought this would have happened by now. And then you realize that His timing is perfect. God's intersection of time is perfect. I mean, we just recently found this intersection happening here at Abundant Life with Luke coming on. You know, we, we had talked for quite a while about hiring, you know, and, and had, we had, had I, you know, jumped the gun a little bit early, um, you know, we may not have had Luke here or whatever. But anyway, Luke was finishing up with school and the timing was just perfect. God's timing is always perfect. I would prefer life to be in my time. Am I the only one? Lord, I think this would be. His ways are perfect. God's ways are perfect. My ways are not perfect. 
I wish they were, but they're not. God is always on time. When we understand and trust God's timing, we save ourselves a lot of worry and we save ourselves potentially a lot of heartburn. <laughs> you know, when you worry and you know, some folks get ulcers from that just because of the worry. There's something that the body produces and I don't get all this medical stuff, but there's something within the body that, that can cause ulcers to happen because of worry. But I want to be a person who understands God's timing, even when it comes to the lost coming to know him. Even when it comes to, um, you know, some of that I have been praying for forever. And they're just, Lord, could you please? And, and now we still pray, don't we? Lord, could today be today? Let today be today. But his timing is perfect. God works for his glory and for our good. You notice the order of that? He works for his glory and for our good. I want to encourage you that your loved ones are being drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have people in your family who are not saved, they're being drawn. And that intersection will happen. I believe that with you. Yes, people must respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit. I do believe that we have choice. Respond to the voice of God. Maybe that's you. I've heard some of your stories where you ran from the calling of God. You ran from the Lord, so to speak, in the sense that, you know, look, I know that the God's way is perfect and I know this, but we run from the Lord. Even as believers, even as Christians, we can do that. Even as a pastor, I can do that. You know what, God? I just, I don't think that now is the time. Not that group of people, not that particular situation. But yes, people must respond uh, as they're being drawn. Cornelius was seeking after truth, but was not yet a convert to Christianity. I want to bring that out. That's in the first few verses there. Um, he was seeking after God. Very much so. Even Paul was seeking after God when his name was Saul. He thought he was doing the right thing by, um, by condemning and putting to death Christians. He thought he was doing a very noble thing. He was a devout, God-fearing man. He prayed, he gave to the Lord, right? So he is seeking after God. I want to take us, keep your finger here in Acts chapter uh, 10. If you want to turn to Matthew 7, you can. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen. But Matthew 7, uh, 7 I thought about this being our theme scripture, but um, I decided to go with the Acts 10, 34 verse instead. This is a good verse to memorize anyway. It may come up later this year. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says... Keep who will find. I kind of see that as the heart of Cornelius. He was seeking after God. He was giving. He was praying. He was seeking the Lord. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Have you ever found yourself? I'm going to go down a, just a rabbit trail real quick, okay? Chase a squirrel just, just for a moment. Have you ever found yourself where you ask God for something and you're like, well, he heard me the first time. I don't need to ask him again. He knows my heart. You know, it's kind of like saying this. I told Stasha that I loved her when we got married. I don't need to tell her again. If it ever changes, I'll let her know. That wouldn't work too well, would it? It wouldn't. What did the scripture verse say that we just read? Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking knock and keep on knocking. That's what Cornelius was doing. Each time he would go to the temple and he would pray and he would seek God and he would give, he was seeking after the Lord. 
And the promise that came to him was, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Keep praying for those who have not come to Jesus. Keep asking God, Lord, will you bring my loved one to the belt? See, Cornelius worshipped the one true God, but he didn't know Jesus. Why is that? Well, the new covenant was just being introduced. We have to remember the history that was here. So they're coming out of the Old Testament into the New Testament. The New Testament is being written at this point. And so he is just discovering who Jesus is. And because of God and his mercy, and he saw Cornelius, and he saw his seeking, and he saw his commitment, he said, today salvation is going to come to this home. Well, in the next couple of days, salvation is going to come to this home. So that gets us to point number two, where number one, we saw God prepares the hearts of those he is calling. God also prepares the messenger, your messengers, high messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's each and every person that's sitting in this room. Peter was the messenger in this text, though. So let's pick up in verse 9 of Acts chapter 10. It says, The next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But we can identify with that, can't we? It comes about lunchtime. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet let down by its four corners. Verse 12, And the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Now, Peter's hungry. All right, so let's see why he wouldn't do this in the vision that God had given. Verse 14, No and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. So three times Peter sees this sheep being lowered with animals in it that he did not eat because it was considered unclean by Jewish people. Uh, So it was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then... Men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Mr. Stowe, can you give me some water real quick? My mom's not here today, and I don't have my usual four waters of, bottles of water down here that she brings me. She's awesome. Um, by the way, she's sick as well, so add her to your, to your prayers. Um, so here's what we have. God preparing Peter. And as God is preparing Peter, he shows him a vision. Have you, we've talked about dreams before. Has anybody ever received a dream or a vision from the Lord? Thank you. Like, you, you know, you felt that was God telling you something. Anybody? Um, preparing Peter. He was getting him ready to declare the gospel. You know what God has given us today as preparation? His word. He has given us his word. Everything that we need in here that pertains to life and godliness, he has given him, given us. So Peter was given a dream or a trance, depending on the translation that you have, by God about unclean foods being lowered and um, eating these unclean foods. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. I am so thankful because bacon. Right? You know, maybe it's probably not that good for you. Why is it that, let me just, again, we're talking about wholeness here for a moment. 
why were there some animals that God forbade the people to eat? Well, he was concerned about their health. Now, for some reason, at this point, God chose to say, you know what, you can have any of this. But what we're about to see is it really wasn't about the animals. It wasn't about the unclean animals, okay? You've heard this story, many of you. You know where we're getting ready to go, but I want to point out a few things here. Jews never ate unclean foods. Peter didn't anyway. And he stated to the Lord, God, I can't eat that. And God said, no, I just told you to rise, kill, and eat. So are you going to obey or not at this particular time? Here's what I found interesting. God had to tell him, okay, doesn't specifically say this in the scripture. This is my, something, an observation that I have made. There is something about Peter and having to be told three times. He denied Jesus three times. When Jesus came back to him to restore him, it was three times. In this particular story, Jesus has to tell Peter three times. You know, sometimes we're just, we're just hard-headed. And the sooner we can admit it, the better off we are. Notice I'm... Jen, you just elbowed Matt. I saw that too. <laughs> Elbows are flying. Sometimes, or were you elbowing her, Matt? Uh, okay. Sometimes we can just be hard-headed. We really can at times. And, and God, but here's the great thing about God. He does not give up on us. Even if he has to tell us again and again. Now, we understand God's timing is perfect. We understand this. But sometimes he has to repeat himself. Lord, can you just, Lord, forgive me for those times and remind me that delayed obedience is disobedience. That I would respond the first time. Again, that's just something that I observed. I'm not sure if there's any particular meaning behind that scripturally, but just an observation I had. Admittedly, sometimes God has to speak to me more than once when he's changing my wrong way of thinking to his way. Haven't you discovered that? But God, I just I want to be open before you so that you can show me your will and your way. God wasn't concerned about the food. He wanted Peter to make the connection from the vision of the animals to the people that he considered unclean, and that was the Gentiles. So we're going to see this correlation here. So let's, let's keep going. Point number three, God prepares the hearts of those close to the ones who are being saved. So we're going to see where, Peter, or where Cornelius is going to get saved and his family, and also, well, like I said, and his family as well. So let's pick up in verse 21. It says, so Peter went down and said, remember these guys just came and they, they've knocked on the door. Peter went down and said, I'm the man that you were looking for. Why have you come? See, God prepared Peter. God prepared these men. Verse 22, they said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout, God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. Verse 23, So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day, and Cornelius was waiting for them and had called uh, together his relatives and close friends. See, he's bringing people together because he knows something's about to happen. He knows that God has been preparing. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. You know, whenever you bring the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, people are grateful for that. They might not think so at first, but they're grateful for that. This particular guy was so grateful, he fell down and began to worship Peter. And Peter, nope, can't do that. 
Peter corrected him real quick, but, but the good news was being brought, salvation was being brought to this household. Verse 27, so they talked together, and then they went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. Wow. He just lay, I can't be here. It's against our laws for me to even be here. But see what he says. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. See, Peter addressed his own prejudice. I should not be here. My people don't associate with your people. But Peter responded to the Lord. Peter responded to the Lord. God was calling him. Today, I believe, is a day where God is asking us to respond. Our home, maybe, that we just feel, man, there's no hope. And God is saying, respond to them. God is saying, really, respond to him. And go to them. So, verse 34, let's pick up and continue with the story. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and who do what is right. This is the message of the good news of the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened uh, throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all were who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Church, there are many people who are oppressed today who need this gospel of salvation, who needs the gospel of Jesus. They're all around you. They're being oppressed. And we have the news of freedom, the good news of freedom. Verse 39, And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one of all the pro that all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. You see, Peter boldly preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in the United States, there are people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heard, never heard maybe even the name of Jesus However, there are also a lot of people who have. They may not believe in him. They may believe that he is this fairy magician that we believe in, but they've heard his name. Peter went in and cleared some things up. You know, your life and your testimony will clear some things up for people. It will. God is preparing hearts. God is preparing your heart. Boldly preach the gospel. Let's finish out with verse 44 through 48. Even as Peter was saying these things, check this out. The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. So they were saved and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 45, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out to the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. We know that that's an initial evidence of the baptism with the Holy Spirit when people began speaking in other tongues. That's what was happening here. People who were Gentiles, who were unclean, 
They were brought to Jesus because God had prepared their hearts. God had prepared. You should expect as believers when people come to know Jesus that they are baptized with the Holy Spirit at that very moment as well. Because we have biblical record of that. That happens. When you pray for people to receive Jesus, pray that they would be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Peter said, verse 47, Can anyone object to these being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit? That's water baptized. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius had uh, asked him to stay with them for several days. Um, so not only were the Gentiles saved, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues. Then you know, they were baptized into the baptism of Jesus, which is that repentance. And then Peter stayed with them for several days. Who are the people that we look at and we think, man, there's no way. I've heard people say this before. You've heard me mention this, make reference to it. But, you know, you'll, you'll hear people say, man, people like that, there's a special place reserved for them in hell. You hear people say that. <clears throat> I don't think there are special places in hell reserved for spe specific people. People who don't know Jesus, who don't accept him as Lord and Savior of their life, <clears throat> no matter what it is, no matter what it is, no matter how horrible their story is. I want to read something to you to illustrate this quickly. If you were here, um, was talking about, he, he's the consulate to Uganda. And uh, in Uganda, that means basically his home, he has a Ugandan flag under the American flag. He, his home is not considered part of the United States. He is a consulate of Uganda. So people who have immunity, need immunity, can go there. But he, he is a representative of Uganda to the United States. God has set him up for that, and I believe it. Well, part of his relationship with Uganda is he gets to know specific people. And he heard this story of um, how some of the witch doctors there were taking children, kidnapping them, and sacrificing them. Now, this is something that was happening fairly recently, okay? Sacrificing them, um, and, and that's a horrible thing. You know, they're, they're, these, these kids' lives were being taken. Uh, they believe, as you read the story, they believe that if you were to uh, have certain parts of, um, of the kids, that was some kind of uh, holy type of thing, right? I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to see this real quick. So these witch doctors were kidnapping the kids. They were sacrificing them. And Bob Goff said, if I can find one surviving child... I want to try the person, because Bob Goff's a lawyer, I want to try him before the court of your law and the death penalty. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Right? I mean, we can stand for that, hurting children. That should happen. But then I had him convicted, had him put in jail. Yes, Bob Goff, way to take care of this kid, this guy who was hurting kids and killing them, these witch doctors. And there's a lot of witch doctors. So then he went to meet face-to-face -face with this particular witch doctor in prison. And there's a story of redemption that happened. And praise God for that, right? Bob even admitted, part of me was like, no, I'm trying to keep that guy out of heaven. I don't want him to come to heaven. But God was showing Bob something. That repentance is available to everybody. And here I am thinking, yeah, except for those kind of people. So Bob Goff started a witch doctor school. He says, now hold on just a minute. We weren't teaching people how to be witch doctors. We were taking these witch doctors, and the only thing that they wanted to know was how to read and write. 
So how can I reach out to them to love and show them the gospel? He said, well, we started this school teaching witch doctors how to read and write. The only textbook they had was Love Does and the Bible. That's how they learned to read and write. Okay, so let's pick up real quick. We recently graduated our third class from the witch doctor school. Most of these witch doctors have more joy than teeth. Incredibly, we got the government to recognize their accomplishments. They now receive certificates of literacy and issue that is issued from the Republic of Uganda. Jesus did. Amen. Loving our enemies has always been his idea, not ours. See, I was with Bob on just let these guys just rot in prison and then spend eternity not with Jesus. I was happy with that, to be honest. But loving our enemies has always been Jesus' idea, not ours. The people who creep us out aren't obstacles to having faith. They're opportunities to understand it. Our graduation ceremonies are unlike anything you can imagine. There's no public display of affection in Uganda. Nevertheless, as I give the witch doctors their diplomas, I hold their faces between my hands and I kiss them on the forehead. I want to be every witch doctor's first kiss. I look into some pretty creepy set of eyes and tell them who they're becoming and how far they've come as leaders in their villages and communities. Then I pin a medal on each of their graduation gowns and I whisper to each one loudly enough for only them to hear, don't make me kill you. They're not sure whether I'm joking or not and I'm okay with the tension. We can speak truth to power. See, there's a dark power that's there. And Bob is speaking truth to them. People who were killing children, who were taking them as sacrifices, who were lording their authority over an entire village, and Bob was wanting to make an opportunity to turn them to Jesus. Right? I'll let them know that there will be a trial, and after they're convicted, they'll never be seen again. There's no love without justice, but there's no justice without love. I don't think we have any business telling people what to change in their lives until we're willing to change a couple things in ours. For me, this means taking a step back from my pride, washing feet, and treating my enemies with the kind of selfless love Jesus talks about and demonstrated. That's a powerful story of ministering to someone who we think there's no hope for them. They don't need Jesus. They don't deserve Jesus. But God was showing them Neither did you. Before we knew God, we were enemies of God, the Bible tells us. Enemies of God. Before we knew Jesus, we were enemies of God. And someone came along, even though we weren't horrible people. Let's be honest, these witch doctors, horrible people. But who is God calling us to? I would say here in the United States, there's no one. Well, there are people we know who do some particular things, but um, we don't face this in, in the United States hugely. It does happen. It does happen, but we don't see it to this. We don't, it's not in front of us, I should say that. Doesn't, doesn't cover it, but it does happen. You know, Jesus wants to save those. We may not, we may, we may not see these people, but they're out there. Here's what I do know. There are people who are good people who don't know Jesus, and God is calling us to them whether we agree with them, whether we like them or not. And God is saying, can you love, can you love, first of all, the most horrific type of people to Jesus? But can you love those who maybe you don't normally associate with to Jesus? Can you be around the people 
who are creepy and tell them about Jesus. We see creepy people all the time. I jokingly say this, if you don't know anyone creepy, then you're probably the creepy one. But we know creepy people. Love them to wholeness. Love them to Jesus. Lord, on our watch, may no one suffer the fires of hell. At least without us giving them an opportunity. In Bob's last book, he said this, I want to be a roadblock on somebody's journey to hell. I want to be a roadblock. You're not going to make it there because I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Some people choose to go around the roadblock. We understand that. But doggone it, we're going to put up a fight. No matter who it is. Let's love people to wholeness. Even the ones we think, I can't go talk to them. Hey, you can. Let's love people to wholeness. Can we stand this morning?